Craig and Cynthia Davis, and uh, we had the privilege, Vernon and I, of having them in our home this weekend, and so we got to know them a little bit better uh, with the word that God has laid on his heart. Welcome, Craig. Well, thank you, Gary, for those kind words. Uh, we have appreciated uh, the time that we've been able to spend with Gary and Verna, too, and unfortunately, that will end tomorrow morning because we head down to... Uh, Sacramento to continue our journeys, then on to Los Angeles, and then the end of the month, Cynthia and I leave to go back to France uh, to resume our ministry. Uh, the ministry that the Lord has given us in France is actually a threefold ministry. Uh, we have been involved for 32 years in planting churches, developing churches in the eastern suburbs of Paris. And as Gary says, that's just not like, we do have a Disneyland uh, near us, but that's, that's uh, irrelevant to the, the fact that uh, it is a, uh, a hard uh, mission field, uh, resistant, um, a lot of misunderstanding of what the gospel is, what a Christian is, uh, what the church is. And so we've been working 32 years in church planning. I also have a music ministry in France, and another part of our ministry involves uh, uh, developing uh, redemptive relationships, uh, evangelism uh, with neighbors, with people in the community. And so we appreciate uh, the fact that you have been faithfully supporting us for, I think, almost 30 years. Uh, I think we first came here to Reading in uh, 1984. Uh, so that's a few years ago, <laughs> but we do appreciate uh, your faithfulness to us. Uh, we appreciate our faithful God, too, and what he's done in and through our lives over the years. This morning, I would like to, to talk about running the race of the Christian life. Uh, in 1981, there was a film that came out, Chariots of Fire. Some of you might have seen that. Some of you might love that film. It tells the story of two athletes who participated in the 1924 Olympics in Paris, France. There was Eric Liddell, a devout Scottish Christian who runs for the glory of God. And then there was Harold Abrahams, an English Jew, an English Jew who runs to overcome prejudice. And the movie begins with this magnificent scene with a stirring musical background. A small group of athletes are running on an English beach shrouded in a thick fog. And eventually you see Eric Liddell uh, with his unique running style, with his arms flailing uh, as if he is uh, trying to cut away through the fog. But the most remarkable thing about Eric Liddell is not his running style, but it's the joy that he feels when he runs. And later on in the film, uh, during a conversation with his devout Christian sister, he says, I believe that God made me for a purpose, but he also made me to run fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. Eric Liddell enjoyed running, but his ultimate pleasure was running a different race, the race of the Christian life. 
And that is why, that is why he became a missionary and why he faithfully served God uh, until his death in a Japanese occup uh, occupation uh, camp in China in 1945. In other areas of the world, races are regularly organized to motivate runners and to allow them to compete against uh, one another. One such race took uh, place the end of June uh, in the park where I regularly uh, walk uh, five or six days a week. And there we go. And this, was, this race is called Oxy Trails. I think it has to do with oxygen and trails or on the trails. So Oxy Trail, uh, there was a five kilometer race, there was a 13 kilometer race, there was a 23, uh, there was a race for kids. And there was a, a Nordic walk for those who appreciate walking more than running. And a race like this attracts uh, hundreds if not thousands of amateur athletes. But this morning, I would like to talk about another race. It's a race for all those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ. And all of us are called to participate in this race. Like the 1924 Paris Olympics and the Oxy Trail uh, races, this race calls for a rigid, uh, dedicated training, perseverance, and commitment. It is sometimes a difficult race. Uh, for some Christians, it is very tiring. But it is, it is the most important of all races. And like Eric Liddell, I hope that we all experience joy if we know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, but we experience joy as we run this race. So this morning I'd like to look at a text that is found in uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Uh, the text this morning is not in French. <laughs> the text, I think it is taken from the NIV. Uh, you can verify that. But uh, I'll be reading the three verses that are on the screen here. Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. That is our text for the message this morning. And what I'd like to do is to look at three different questions about this text. The first question is what inspires us in this race? What is our inspiration as we run the race of the Christian life? The second one, second question, maybe Cynthia you can just uh, do this here. I think it would be simpler. I'm getting a little frustrated with my... Okay, how do we prepare for the race? 
any kind of race needs some sort of preparation, a mental and a physical preparation. But how do we prepare for running the race of the Christian life? And thirdly, how do we finish well the race in verses 2 and 3 of our text? So that's where we're going this morning. Those three questions, and hopefully I will give you some answers for those questions. The first question, again, what inspires us for this race? And the simple answer is previous runners, those who have run before us, those who have participated in the Christian race. And the first, uh, the first phrase of the first verse states one, or uses one very significant word, and that's the word, therefore. And as we all know, when you see the word therefore in the Bible, you need to know why it is therefore. So that's what we need to figure out here. Why does this author of the book of Hebrews start with the word therefore in chapter 12? Well, in this case, it's very simple. All you need to do is to look back to chapter 11. Because in chapter 11, there are many athletes that are mentioned, men and women of faith, who have run successfully the, the race that was before them. And in this chapter, we have a real hall of fame of great athletes. It starts with Abel, there's Enoch, there's Noah, there's Abraham and his uh, offspring, Moses, Rahab, and many others. And these athletes all ran and finished well the race that was set before them. But now it is our turn to run the same race with perseverance, with commitment. Now, I think we've all watched, uh, maybe on the, in the Olympics, a relay race uh, in the Olympics. And if you look at a, a re relay race, there are four runners who each cover either 100 or 400 meters. That's the next slide, Cynthia. Okay. Uh, and the four runners must pass the baton. Uh, in, in French, it's interesting. It's called a témoin, which is a witness. I'm not sure why that is, but it's called a witness. That uh, they must pass the baton within a certain uh, distance. Otherwise, they're disqualified. And... What happens in the Christian race is that we have had previous runners that are, are now passing the baton to us, and now it is our turn to run the Christian race. Now, I think it's interesting that the writer of Hebrews calls the Christian life a race in verse 1. Um, it is not a Sunday afternoon stroll like so many of the French people like, you eat lunch and you go out for lunch or for, for a walk and you stroll around the lakes and you talk and you walk your dog, whatever. Uh, but that is not the idea here. We're not talking about the, the Christian life as a Sunday afternoon stroll. Uh, the Greek word for race actually comes from a word, uh, agon, which sounds a lot like our word agony or agonize. And in, the New, in, the, in the, the New Testament, the word is often translated uh, combat 
And this comes from the Greek combat games, such as wrestling or boxing. So if you just take that word, you can see that the Christian life is not meant to be just a, a nice little stroll. Uh, life is beautiful. But life, sometimes as a Christian, is an agonizing race. It's a combat. It's not a Sunday afternoon stroll around the lakes. And in this Christian life, we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. That's what we see in verse 1. Now, the word witnesses is another interesting word. Uh, this word comes from the, group of Mart- uh, from the Greek word martus, which is the, uh, the word that we use for martyr uh, in English. So the Christian life is being compared to something where there's martyrdom, where there's a, 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 a cost, a price to be paid. And these martyrs from the past are not, lar- are not spectators in a large uh, arena, uh, as we sometimes think of when we read this uh, text. But these martyrs are examples for us as we, uh, that we look at in order to be encouraged in the races before us. And they are there to encourage us to finish well the race that is before us. Now, some of you might looked at uh, or watched some of the uh, some of the uh, the World Cup uh, in June and July, and if you notice the jerseys of the German World Cup team, uh, you will have noticed that there are three stars uh, above the emblem of the German uh, Soccer Federation. Well, these aren't just by uh, by chance that there's three stars there. The reason there are three stars is because in the past. The German team has won the World Cup three times. Now, in 2018, the German team will have four (laughs) stars on their jersey because they won the the World Cup this year. And these stars are, in a way, witnesses to the glory of the past German teams. And as a younger player would look at these, he would say, wow, there's a lot of history here. Look at all these stars. I better, <laughs> I better play my heart out because I need to live up to the witness that went before me. And so these, these stars are a testimony of the greatness of past German teams. And in the same way, when we read the, about the witnesses in Hebrews 11, some of the names that I mentioned earlier, they are there to encourage us to finish well the race that is before us. But I think we, could, we should ask ourselves, do we know anything about these witnesses, these martyrs of the faith? How well do we know about Abraham, Enoch, the others that are listed in Hebrews chapter 11. Have we taken the time to read our Old Testaments and to be inspired and be encouraged by these witnesses from the past? Now, the second question that we need to ask ourselves this morning is how do we prepare 
how do we prepare for the race of the Christian life? Again, verse 1. Before you participate in any kind of race, you need to warm up your body and stretch your muscles. Um, I don't know if you've ever watched uh, how a swimmer will prepare for a race. He goes through, or she goes through, all sorts of limbering exercises to be ready to participate in the heat. And it is, it is exactly the same thing in the Christian life. We need to pr prepare ourselves physically and mentally to prepare to run the race that is set before us. So let's look at the, the physical preparation for the race. The physical preparation for the race. The first verse tells it, in our text tells us that we need to throw off everything that hinders. We need to throw off everything that hinders. Now this can be some sort of weight, any kind of weight that would slow us down in the race. Again, you may think I'm a great athlete or something because all these <laughs> illustrations this morning are, are from sports. But anyway, that's the way it goes. But what does an athlete wear for a race? Have you noticed runners, such as in the, uh, the Paris uh, Marathon, what they wear? Do you see these guys wearing heavy weights on their legs so they don't fly away? Do they wear a thick sweater and a heavy coat in order to keep warm? Do they wear rubber boots like a fisherman so that their feet don't get wet? No. What are these guys wearing? These guys are wearing little shorts, tennis shoes, socks, and a little jersey. That's it. It is as light as possible. They are not being hindered by any sort of excess weight. And when I talk about excess weight, we're not talking about just what's around the midriff. We are talking about any weight that has the potential to slow us down in the Christian life. An undisciplined life. Too much time in front of the television. An attitude of indifference towards spiritual things. Procrastination. Manana. Manana. Demain. Demain. Impatience. There's all sorts of things that slow us down, that weigh us down in the Christian life. And we need to put these weights in the garbage can. Get rid of them from our lives. We also need to throw off the sin that so easily entangles us. Now, in the context of the, the letter here, in chapters 10 through 12, this would be the sin of disbelief, of unbelief. For a Christian, it would be the refusal to believe that God is capable of intervening and changing a situation. It's interesting here. Uh, expect great things from God. Attempt great things from God. Someone that is, uh, refuses to believe or says, well, maybe for the others, but not for me. No, God can't do that. No. He can't do great things. That's unbelief. And it's the idea of putting God in an airtight box and saying that we are going to limit 
his action because we're going to just let God work in this little area but not in any other area. It's like disbelief is like a cramp uh, that stops an athlete from continuing to, to play or continue to perform. And I hope that disbelief does not characterize your relationship with God. I hope that this is your model. Expect great things from God and then attempt great things from God. Now, as we envision the race that is before us, we need to prepare, prepare ourselves mentally and physically. So the mental preparation here involves some other things besides just the physical preparation. Now, our coach in the race is encouraging us to run with perseverance. And before running with per perseverance, we need to count the cost of participation in the race. To run a marathon, a runner needs to realize that there will be moments of suffering and discouragement. Uh, yesterday, I talked with, with Larry. We talked about bicycling and, and some of the, the century rides that he was, uh, he's done, maybe some of the others have done here. But a marathon runner talks about hitting the wall. Hitting the wall. It's that moment after you have run a certain distance that you feel that there is a physical wall in front of you and you can't go on. You can't go through that wall. Your energy is spent. You cannot go on. Your muscles are too tired. And at that moment, you need all the physical strength in your possession to overcome this feeling of, I cannot do it. I cannot continue. And I think sometimes in our Christian walk, we feel like we have hit the wall. We can't go on. We don't have the mental or physical energy in our tanks to press on. So what do you do? You give up, turn around, get off your bike, go home, watch television. I think at that moment, a better choice would be to realize that our strength comes from the Lord who never tires. Our Lord never tires. This is the text that I shared yesterday uh, morning with the, the men from Isaiah chapter 40, verses 28 to 31. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. The key here is to hope in the Lord, to trust in the promises 
that God has made to each and every one of us. That is the key to running the Christian life with perseverance, hoping in the Lord, hoping in the promises, trusting in the promises of God. Finally, how do we finish well the race? How do we finish well the race? First of all, we need to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. We need to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, verse 3. We need to concentrate on him in order to finish well the race that is before us. In 1989, Greg LeMond, the 1986 uh, winner of the Tour de France, was trailing the two-time champion, Laurent Fignon, by 50 seconds at the start of the final stage, which is always a time trial into Paris on the Champs-Élysées. In order to win the final stage and to make up the 50 seconds that he was behind, Greg LeMond did not want to know the times and the positions of his opponents. The only thing he wanted to know was he was concentrating on the goal of making up those 50 seconds. And that's what he did. He actually won the race with a eight second uh, uh, margin over uh, Laurent Fignon. And it was, it was the closest uh, Tour de France uh, race in the his- history of the cycling event. But in the same way, we need to concentrate on, on the goal of finishing well the race as we look to Jesus. And no one has ever won a race by always looking back at the competition. How are the others doing? Am I ahead? Are they catching up with me? Do I need to speed up? We need to fix our eyes, our concentration on the person that has already finished the race and finished it well and accomplished all that he came to do. So we cannot be distracted by others in this race. We need to concentrate. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus. We also need to consider the example that Jesus set before us. It is true that there are many other uh, examples of persevering faith in Hebrews chapter 11. But Jesus is the supreme example of a triumphant life and a triumphant death. He persevered until the end. In spite of contempt, in spite of rejection, in spite of the shame of the cross, Jesus persevered in the race that was set before him. And when he finished, uh, when he crossed the finish line, the Bible tells us he was able to take the seat of honor in the presence of his father. He ran well the race that was set before him, and he finished it well. So in a marathon, there are literally thousands. There are thousands that will start the race. But there are only a few (laughs) who know that they have any chance of winning the race. But winning the race is not the goal 
of most of the runners in a marathon. Their goal is to finish the race. Their goal is to finish the race. And that needs to be our goal too. Not to win. We're not in competition with one another. Our goal is to finish the race of the Christian life. In spite of our physical weaknesses, in spite of age, in spite of the obstacles in the race, and sometimes the jeers of the crowd, we must continue the race. So how can we do this? How can we do this? Three things. I think we can ask God to give us a second wind. We can ask God to give us a second wind. The text from Isaiah 40 talks about this. Those who hope in the Lord will what? They will renew their strength. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. So we need to ask God sometimes to give us a second or third or fourth, I don't know, wind so that we can finish well the Christian life. Secondly, don't forget that you are not running alone. I just said that we're not in competition. That's true. But don't forget that there are millions of believers who have already finished the race. And there are thousands of others who are still in the race. And we need to encourage one another as we race toward the goal. Thirdly, finally, remember that Jesus has already finished his race. And that he has marked out the path for us to follow. He is always present to strengthen us in our race. He is always present to strengthen us in our race. So ask God for a second wind. Don't forget that we are not running alone. And remember that the Lord Jesus has already finished the race. And he is present, alive, to encourage and strengthen us in our race. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the many examples of those faithful servants who have gone before us and have finished well the race. We see many of them in chapter 11, but I think that we all know personally many who have finished the race. And they are presently enjoying the presence of our Heavenly Father. May these who have come before us encourage us, strengthen us, give us the motivation that we need as we continue to run the Christian life. And Father, may our hope encourage us, our hope in your promises, in your faithfulness, may that also be an encouragement to us. And as we look around to others, even in this church here, this church family, many, many have gone before us, have finished, but others are continuing to run with perseverance. 
Father, may their example to us encourage us to finish well the race that you have set before us. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.